from the PSI ASI Mobile Studios from Sun Valley Inn in Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm George Thomas. We're here at Symposium, and you're listening to First Chair, and uh, we're going to be talking about communication with four amazing guests. We've got uh, Melody Buell from Northwest. We've got Colby Knox from Rocky Mountain, Dave Gregory, Rocky Mountain, and we have beautician Ryan Christofferson. <laughs> We've been finding out this great stuff about each other um, because of our our fantastic communication <laughs> skills thank you all <laughs> Perfect. thanks george <laughs> thank you uh, melody i want to start with you and really just kind of have this take off as a conversation but you and i were talking yesterday and you were talking to me about how you would speak with a uh, uh, guest who happened to have autism and um, as you were going through the communication skills it was really striking me as really these are the ways we should just talk with our guests period so if you could kind of touch on that, and let's take it away. Awesome, George. I think it's really awesome that you uh, have enough faith in me to remember something from 24 hours ago. So let's see how this rolls. Um, so I believe where we started was where we uh, segued a little bit off on uh, working with people with autism was really talking about uh, the entirety of the communication. So oftentimes I think we rely so much on words and we're then narrowing ourselves into our learning styles. And I mean, we, we as Alpine instructors expect to be able to go out and to use visual learning and auditory learning and kinesthetic learning. And when you're working with somebody who has a different set of needs that are not culturally assimilated, like we have to completely tailor that and we have to adapt our skills as a teacher to be able to, uh, you know, take one of those completely away or to modify what we're offering to our student. So something that I really um, hone in on and when I'm giving clinics on working with people with autism is, you know, understanding how that person is experiencing the world around them. So people with autism have heightened senses, um, you know, heightened sense of hearing, um, you know, the, the way that they see things, they take pictures in at about a rate of a thousand to our 100. Uh, they're all of their senses are increased. And oftentimes that result is an increased level of fear that is rational for them and sometimes seems irrational for us. Um, I remember working with a student a couple weeks ago and he, his pole went into the snow and there was really just the handle, the, like the very top of the pole, and he thought that was a catastrophe. And he thought that he was actually starting to panic. His eyes were fluttering. All of his symptoms were really flaring up. And he was, and it was, for me, I looked and most of us here would say, it's fine, buddy, you're gonna be fine. But that's not okay and that's not where I can create a positive learning environment for him. I get to go there with him, provide a little bit of empathy and be really clear and start to read his body language and to start to move him through that experience so that I can be, uh, you know, th that we can continue our uh, lesson successfully out on the hill and we can have a full experience through communication as opposed to isolating it to just using an assumed English language. Ryan taking somebody into the park yeah I you know I mean it's it going into the park is I mean for for kids it's 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 exciting it's fun and they're, they're looking forward to it and they're not thinking about the fearful side but as, as we bring in our instructors or the parents of those kids that want to enjoy the mountain with their with their children and they're traveling around and on the mountain and they're like oh let's go into the park and then the parents I think experience 
that level uh, and, and it, it comes from past experiences you know whether they're watching tv and they see people you know more old warren miller videos when there's the outtake clips and people are crashing everywhere and or they know somebody that's hurt themselves in the past or um and so i think yeah they, they, we definitely have parts of the mountain that give people that may may be able to relate to some of those fears fears on the hill and and yeah park is one of those but i mean again it's i like how you mentioned it's being able to read them and that's you know when when we were in interski we we presented um people fundamentals and one of those or a couple of those people fundamentals are us being able being aware of the situation the people that were around um on an emotional level are they are they able to handle what's going on? Can we read them? Are they are they fearful? Are they excited? And and you know, I mean, as a ski instructor, some of the stuff we're up against is that fear, um, or the the fear of failure, you know, and and being able to recognize that and and with anybody, you know, otherwise we're not going to be successful because that's that's a big hurdle for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, you know, the fear factor definitely comes to those, you know, at all ages and different levels. I think, you know, a good illustration was that it was, you know, five or six years ago when the, you know, the U.S. team changed all their training grounds to a lot more uh, flatter pitches to allow for actual training to take place. And they weren't in fear-based training. They weren't trying to stay in the course. They weren't having to deal with those, but they could actually go out and training on, on slopes that, that, that didn't that didn't cause any safety concerns or, or fears, and they could actually develop skills without having that fear factor. And then, you know, the theory was before that is they needed to train on train that they were actually racing on. And when they took them off that train and put them in in, in an environment that allowed them to actually work on their skills versus working on on staying in the course or staying safe on the course, we've seen an, you know a huge rise in our success. That deal, and you see a lot of the ski teams that are doing that as well. I think the uh, going back to what Melody said, um, kind of the biggest learning I, I've had as a communicator in the industry is um, I was in China with actually Ryan, and I'm typically in front of a group of people who do not speak English. And at the always at the beginning of the, the clinic or the exam, I rely on my translator. And then after a day or two, I realize I don't have to rely on my translator. And that acknowledging the communication we have um, that's nonverbal and what we pick up, whether it's fear or through body language, it, it's pretty powerful. And so it's something I've tried to bring back to the States here and that, you know, how much do I need how, how much do I need? I mean, obviously communication is, verbal communication is, is really important, but you know, how much can we pick up on people who are nonverbal or you're in a scenario where um, you know, you can just kind of read their body language and, and their performance as Colby was saying, and it's like, okay, so when do I need to pull back and, and when do I need to kind of challenge them, but without asking them and just seeing, seeing what they're doing out there without, without that verbal kind of communication. It, it's been a growing, a growing opportunity for me. Yeah, Ryan, this is making me think what Dave just said uh, about the the child in the the inner ski ski yeah, school. The first chair had. ride we did when exactly. when I was working with the inner ski ski school, and 
you know, it was it was an amazing experience because we were with a bunch of kids that were from Bulgaria, and the the most English they spoke was enough to tell me their names. You know, I I didn't know if they knew how to put their skis on. I didn't know if they had ever been on a chairlift before, and and the conversation that we had on the chair, you know, really boiled down to is this any different than teaching a children's lesson anyways? You know, I mean, it's just because in, in the conversation, I think where we went was, you know, they, they may speak our language if, if it's here in the States, but how much do they really understand of what we're saying? So how much of it is us demoing us checking for understanding through challenging them and, and kind of reading their body language, like Gregory was talking about. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, it's communication isn't always verbal. A lot of it just comes down to are we aware of the situation? Absolutely. I have to say that, I, I mean, really, when we're talking about children specifically, there's so much value there. And I love this theme that kept coming up about fear. And the reality is, is that, you know, if we're referencing Fitz and Posner's and we're talking about that cognitive state of learning, when you're referencing that, you know, the U.S. ski team changing terrain, well, yeah, we're not learning when we're constantly trapped in that cognitive space and we're not able to develop and we're not able to move all the way through into that anonymic space. Like, so how on earth can we, we can grow, how can we grow, you know, our skiers and our boarders out there and make them stronger riders and and to invoke some of that passion that we all get we all just you know we get that nice you know whiff of the, the snow across our face and uh, well hopefully it's not snow but wind and, <laughs> and but the thing is is that one thing that comes up over and over and we talk about especially when we start talking about kids is behavior management and what I reference when I hear the term behavior management is I hear it as a loud form of communication and it usually spins up and it usually is provoked when we're not, when we're not listening to the whole picture and we're not observant of the entire picture because I'm sure Ryan, when you were giving the lesson to the, you know, your lesson in Bulgaria that you were probably totally able to watch and observe the, the kids without verbal language and see when they were starting to get frustrated. We all know when a five-year-old is trying to put their ski on and is almost, they're almost at their wit's end. And we can help them through that by reaching out to them, by connecting with them, showing them some empathy, being clear, concise, and super simple. I mean, I can't tell you how often, you know, when we're, when I'm working clinics, you know, we're about working with people specifically with autism, I really use it as a foundation to work with people on how can you simplify what you're saying or even go to a point where you're saying almost nothing because your words oftentimes just create more clutter in the brain. You know, let's get out there and have some experiences and let the communication and the connection really roll and take a, st you know, take a platform and be center stage. Well, I don't think we use our, <clears throat> pardon me, um, our communication skills. We, like you say, we start doing that data dump on, you know, what our perform, you know, what does the performance look like? And we start telling them all this stuff when really we should be using that, our communication skills for building trust and rapport. And when we build that trust and rapport and when then we're along with showing and doing, the experience becomes a whole other thing for that student. And, and I, I think at any age, you know, I think we stand out there and we, we, as educators, we have all this knowledge. And I think we feel as though telling them all about all our knowledge enhances their lesson or their, their time with us. 
And I think more so they like to hear about us. They like to get to know us. And when we build trust and rapport, that's when learning really starts to take place. Oh, Colby, I, uh, for those of you listeners out there, I uh, was giving kind of an air hug over here to Colby while he was talking about that. <laughs> well, I, I think um, I'm by no means a, a prof- uh, an expert on our learning outcomes with people skills, but I'm involved in the project. And what, what jumped out at me there and what Melody was saying and Colby was say- were all saying is, kind of in the draft when the learning outcomes we have is uh, meaningful two-way communication. And I just think this is a great example of it in that, but to, to the point of this conversation, I would say is it's, it's just, it's that meaningful two-way communication is in, in multiple ways. It's not just verbal. It's, it's in so many ways. So I just, I kind of wanted to tie that back to this conversation because I thought it was really relevant. Uh, what I'm picking up is so just coming back from Interski and attending clinics from variety of countries and what's popping to mind right now is, is Denmark, Ireland, Norway um, Switzerland and right now that's a huge conversation piece and, and in the US with the, the people fundamentals that we prevented while, or presented while we were there um, it's you know what I mean communication is a pathway to connection and connection is a way for us to bring people into our organization, into our sport, and, and to grow the sport as a whole. And, and how can we do that? And, and uh, you know, I mean, Denmark presented um, Passion Breeds Passion. And the whole thing was just about connecting with your group. And it wasn't instructor with the group. It was group members with group members, instructors with group members. And from there, it was... We're getting to know our people so that we can, you know, back to the the nonverbal side of communication. If we know them a little bit better, we can read them better and understand them better so that we can give them that positive experience right away from the get go and get them to be a part of of what we all love and share. And I mean, because the mountains are a beautiful place and whether you're skiing, snowboarding, telemark, whatever it it's a great place to be and we want people to be a part of this and communication, like I said, is a pathway to connection. And if we can connect with these people and that was a huge topic at Interski. I mean, like I said, there was multiple countries that presented on that and it was, it was really just how do we, how do we connect with people? Yeah. I got to say when I was uh, in graduate school, graduate assistant, I taught speech and um, one of the, uh, topics I came up with was really focused on how we communicate non-verbally and the kids didn't know what I was doing but I gave them their topics and it was like you've got a minute this is an impromptu speech and they're working and they came up and I said okay the only word though that you're allowed to use during this minute that you have is the word the that's all you can say. And so they were like, oh. that'd be frightening. <laughs> but <laughs> eye contact to see them start to use their bodies and gestures and things that we were doing. It was cool. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, George, there's been those studies that only 7% of communication is, is our words, right? The rest is, as you were saying, is tone inflection and, and body right? How, how, how you're presenting yourself to somebody else. So it's a great point. That was a big part of Norway's conversation. I know you took the, the Norway presentation. That was a big part of what theirs was just being self-aware 
do you use inflection? Do you use body language? Yeah, that was it was awesome to hear. I think the two most powerful tools that I take into each of my lessons is observation and listening. And my ability to observe my student and, my, and to truly listen and create space for them and to hear beyond just the, the individual words that they're using and to, and to, to build a relationship where I'm not just going to say yes to everything. I'm going to be a friend. I'm going to be an advocate for their journey into becoming a skier. And, and we're out here to create, you know, people want to slip and slide on snow. Like that's our job. And we can do that by being a great friend to them first and foremost, but that's by offering a great relationship. Yeah, I think that's the one thing, you know, especially with, you know, a lot of the young instructors that, that I get a chance to work with. And <clears throat> we, we give them all these things, these tools to go out there and teach a lesson. And I think that harder skill or that harder tool is, is how do I can make a connection so that I can teach these tools that I've been given. And uh, you know, I, I think <clears throat> what the national team's done and with the new uh, teaching handbook that's come out, it's, it's really, you know, across that bridge, you know, I mean, as from coming from, a, you know, being a manager at a ski school, being an instructor at a ski school, and now working mostly divisionally, um, you know, kind of that philosophy, we used to bring people in and we can teach them to ski, you know, but we were always trying to hire good people people. And now there's actually a, uh, a, a way and in, in a, in a, a set of guidelines, if you will, that here we can actually te teach people te people skills, and um, you know, so big marks out for the for the new teaching handbook that came out. I think it's a it was long overdue, and I think it speaks to what we're talking about here in a really great way. Yeah, I 100% agree to that, and I'm from you know hiring staff, like you said, you know, like you're interviewing somebody, and you're like, oh man, this person's amazing. Like, oh, you don't ski? Like, don't worry about it. And you know, we, uh, <laughs> yep. we'll, we'll take care of that. And, but the, you know, and what I love that we've done, and again, coming back from Interski, I love that the conversation at Interski was a lot about how do we do this? And, and most of the countries were saying, yes, we can teach charisma. We can teach people to recognize things and be personable. And it, and it, it all, like everybody's message just boiled down to being self-aware. So that that way, you know, and I mean, we need to have the humility to, to be self-aware. But at the same time, you know, it, it, yes, we can teach it. And now with these fundamentals that, that live in that learning connection model in the, the teaching side and the people side, I mean, on, on, we often connect teaching and people you know like oh to be a good teacher you need to be a good people and it's like well for teaching to learn this is what needs to be happening and you know i mean if you've been to college you've been in a lecture class there was no connection there they just <laughs> talked to 300 people you know and then unless they just said the word the unless they said the word the <laughs> yeah um and so yeah i'm excited to see where this grows you know i mean and, and it was well received at interski and and now these are things that we're going to start working into the exams and like you said the teaching handbook it's you know this is and we can start to to score people on their people skills and score people on their teaching skills rather than you know like subjectively a personality trait you know it's like oh that person's really you know there's something about that person but no it's like now are you checking these boxes and are you checking these boxes just like we've always had on the technical side no matter what tool you're on now we've got that people in teaching and I, I'm excited to see where it goes over the next 
five, ten years. So am I. I, I mean, I think a huge thing that I take uh, take out of this and, and I'm really resonating with as you're speaking, Ryan, is that we're really asking our students to get real vulnerable with us. So if we walk in with a big ego and we are here to service our own ego and when our instructors are out there, like we're not doing anyone any good. And so if we can show up and be a little vulnerable with our students, like we're just creating a phenomenal learning platform. And, you know, I, I feel like uh, my students move through the learning process faster when they feel safe with me. And there is really a quiver of words and traits and skills that we can teach that people can take out on the hill and they can practice them. And that opportunity is there. And it's so incredibly exciting to hear that that is something that is really starting to happen around the globe. Yeah. It's awesome. Everywhere. I hate cutting you all off. I could listen to you for quite a while longer. Um, I know we're on a, a time schedule. So if, if each of you could just give us a couple of sentences to sum up. Um, I, I like what you said with the vulnerable, you know, I mean, having the, the ability to be, to be vulnerable and share your passion, you know, and I think that's, that's one way, you know, I mean, why did you move to where you moved to become a ski instructor? What brought you there and share that with your guests so that we can start to connect on an emotional level and then they open up and then we can start to read them and not just the words, but you know, the, their body position, their, their eyes and their emotions. When, when, when we connect in that level, then we can move much farther. Yeah. I think sharing your vulnerability is, is, is huge. I think it brings and it allows for, you know, other people, especially when you're working with people that, you know, at, aren't at your level and that's why they're there skiing with you, you know, telling them about your unsuccessful moments and the, and the times that you were having, you know, on the struggle bus, you know, that just makes, that makes them feel included. It, may, you know, it brings that part of the, their side around because that's where they're at a lot of times when you're working with candidates or, or people just new to the sport. My takeaways are I really enjoyed listening to these three people next to me talk. So all I have to say is amen. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> There's some hands being raised around here. Um, I... Honest, I'm really excited to see this journey and this value of connection uh, and and how that does lead to great communication out on the hill. I think that it's going to serve us as well as trainers and instructors and as learners. And, you know, one thing I really like to say is that, you know, honestly, the second I stop learning when it comes to skiing, I got to get out because that's what we're doing here is that we are constant learners. And when we can bring this communication piece out, it's gonna make us better learners with each other. And it's gonna make us such stronger instructors and communicators to our students so they can have a rad time out on the hill. Melody, Colby, Dave, Ryan. Dave, you got something to add? Amen. <laughs> I think we should all say that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time here at Symposium.